Well, I want to welcome all, all of our listeners to a brand new episode series that we hope to start doing every month uh, going forward, at least tentatively for now, uh, called The Hanover House. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jordan Stefaniak. I'm your other host, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon can't even keep it together. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm Brandon. Y'all know me. Sorry. Yeah, he, he's here with us. Uh, obviously, you know Brandon. Um, and obviously... As me and Brandon, we're constantly thinking about how we can bring more value to our listeners, uh, whether our listener is a seminary student, a local church pastor, uh, a theologian, a philosopher, or Brandon's grandma. Uh, we think that everyone has interest in theology uh, and that no topic is too difficult to tackle, even if we don't understand all the details at first. I mean, I'm sure that some of our episodes, some of the terms, some of the concepts are challenging at first, but everyone is capable of thinking deeply and clearly about these things, and we just need people to push each other. Uh, so that's part of why we realize that part of the goal of deep and clear thinking requires community of some sort, and it's vitally important to have other conversation partners to help us think, to see the weaknesses in our arguments and our thinking. And quite frankly, I think many of our listeners are probably pastors in remote locations that lack the theological sharpening that's possible thanks to the internet. Uh, so one thing we want to do is to bring more value by bringing and providing more conversation partners for either you know students who may be an online student somewhere at a seminary or, or a pastor that's got a low, you know remote as we mentioned. So to that end, uh, what we've decided to do right now for a monthly thing is to have more in-depth conversations with with a couple other pastors about previous topics or episodes with a particular pastoral eye and thinking about pastoral ministry and lay flourishing overall. So our normal weekly episodes are still going to stay the same, the interviews, the main content, but we want to include some pastoral commentary going forward. So think, I mean, I think our expectation is like 20 to 25 minutes right now. I mean, if you're a listener and you say, I want more, I want less, um, tell us, but we're thinking kind of unscripted talking about episodes you've listened to previously, the kind of stuff you would get if you went to a coffee shop with a couple brothers and you just decided to talk about things. So, uh, and as you know, listeners, if you have thoughts or ideas about how to make this better, or if you don't love this or you do love it, let us know. You can direct message us on Twitter. You, you can uh, hit us on Facebook or Instagram, or you can email us at contact at the London Lyceum .com. Um, So what does that have to do with us? Well, we've got me and Brandon here. Brandon can't keep it together because he's laughing because the two other guys in, in the group here are obviously clowns. Um, but the two other pastors that we have with us do affirm the Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. Uh, that's Jake Stone, um, you know, Twitter extraordinaire, uh, and Connor McMakin, who is probably unknown to most of you. Um, we've, we've mainly asked them <laughs> wow. because we're already friends, uh, and because we want to help rebrand our tribe, you know, you see on the internet, I feel like 1689 is like trash, uh, according to most people. Um, but we want to be known as confessional and compassionate because the elder must not be arrogant. It must not be quick tempered. Uh, he must be gentle and peaceable, kind to everyone, all those things. So, uh, Jake and Connor, why don't you remind us of who you are before we kick things off? I know you both have been on the show before, but think name, church, um, how long you've been a pastor there, those types of things. I guess, Jake, you can start kick us off, and then Connor, you can go after. So my name is Jake Stone, and I pastor New Testament Baptist Church in Biloxi, Mississippi, and I've had the privilege 
Uh, this coming August will mark nine years since we began this revitalization journey, which would be my tenure here as the lead pastor. I would make a note that uh, nobody would probably meet me at a coffee house because everybody mocks how I drink coffee. So I would prefer us to go somewhere and eat, preferably something like etouffee gumbo or jambalaya, which would be the <laughs> treats that we have here. And I also, that's the reason why I've gotten into running, probably since the last time I chatted with you guys, because I run in order to eat. So that would be what I would say about myself. All right, Connor. All right. Well, yeah, Connor McMakin. I'm a pastor in West Michigan at the First Baptist Church of Spring Lake, literally the First Baptist Church in our county. Uh, we've been here 152 years. I've been here a little less than that, I'm coming up on a year. So I don't, uh, I don't know how. I, I mean, I sure I'd love to give give my thoughts and and whatnot, but I think guys like Jake have a lot uh, more to say, at least from their experience. So I'm I'm happy to be here to contribute, but also to learn from you guys and and uh, you know learn from even our listeners who will contribute to this ongoing discussion as well. Um, I do not run like Jake runs. Um, I don't find that to be helpful or edifying in, in the least, uh, but I do like to play golf. That's one thing that I do enjoy in my limited downtime. So that's a little bit about me. Well, I'm a poor pastor. I can't afford to play golf. I can just <laughs> run. So Touche. <laughs> so we've got a, a poor besides, pastor besides, and a, and a country people. club pastor. Yeah, so yeah, we've got all I sorts mean, of in, economic. Places. I'm in. I'm in Mississippi. We, do we even have golf courses here? You know, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that. Well, but I am on the Gulf Coast. We actually do, which I've been told by people that means that we're not technically Mississippi. So anyway, <laughs> fair enough. All right. So I, I guess we can kick it off. I think we had all agreed somewhat to talk a little bit about Michael Haken's uh, revival and revivalism episode that we recently did, but no episodes off limits. So if another one comes to mind that you want to talk about, feel free. Um, so maybe we can just start and say, you know, as far as that episode goes, was there anything surprising or, or that piqued your curiosity uh, that went on with what he said in there? Well, I, I would say that I really think that his distinction between revival and revivalism is very helpful, especially from the context that I grew up in, which was heavily um, revivalistic. And, and I would say that I think that most people, and let's just say broadly in the, in the Reformed world, however that is to be defined, um, are very shy. I think he's right about even thinking about revival because we have a bad taste in our mouth because of revivalism and, and i think that that causes it's it's kind of in itself it illustrates what can often be our tendency to move to one extreme or the other and so if you have any kind of uh familiarity or influence with revivalistic tendencies that can almost cause you to move into the the opposite extreme of, of really not thinking revival is even possible in the year 2020, for example, that we don't even think something like that can happen. And I, so I think just being reminded about, you know, do we even, do we pray for it? And when I say pray, that, it, that it's more than just a quick, you know, throw up in the air, you know, 15 second prayer. Do we actually earnestly beseech the Lord and the work of the Holy Spirit 
in bringing revival. And, and I think, to be honest, if we were to be blunt, that seems strange to us to pray for it. I, I think most people in our churches would say we believe in revival, we want revival, but actually earnestly praying for it, it, it feels like it's more something like charis, of, of a charismatic nature than 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 reformed or biblical. Uh, I don't know if anyone's praying earnestly for much of anything besides their own desires in our churches, I would think. Yeah, I, th- I think his comment about prayer was what stood out the most to me, too. And it made me think like, um, and Jake, you know, you kind of mentioned this, but when we say we like we pray for something, it's like, especially it seems like maybe in the in the when it comes to corporate prayer in the context of of the church, you know, when it comes to praying for something like revival, it gets tacked on right to the end of the prayer or just thrown in somewhere there in the middle, you know, you know, God, please, you know, bring revival to our nation. And then, you know, Haken brought up what Owen said about um, laboring after spiritual revivals. And I don't think we see, I know, especially in my own life, I've, I've been convicted about this. Like, I don't, I don't see and treat prayer as a labor, as, you know, wrestling after this thing that I know that we need, that I, that I need individually and that our churches need and that our nation needs they're, they're, they're just, there's just not that, that level of urgency, um, that I think we need to find in our prayers. So I think that was the thing that, that hit me the most, what he said towards the end about, you know, we're going to go without revival as long as we're willing, um, to not pray for it earnestly. Yeah. If I can jump in real quick from a pastoral standpoint, I've been thinking through, especially what he said regarding what to pray for in our either weekly or midweekly, uh, midweek prayer meetings, he mentioned, you know, we, we, these things tend to become, Hey, we got to pray for the prayer list of our members. And, th- and th- those things aren't wrong. We, we want to pray for those who are in the hospital, those who are sick, those who need healing and, and those who need jobs and, and all of these, this never ending list of prayer requests. And, and we want to, as, as Jake said, we want to beseech the Lord with these things. Um, but what I've been thinking through since Dr. Haken's episode there was, okay, how do I schedule praying for renewal or revival or, or um, awakening, however we need to define it, describe it in our context? And um, yeah, I, I thought that was a really good point. And you guys have hit it right on. I mean, this is a discipline, you know, and I, I forget who said it. And, you know, I'm not a very good memory right now, but uh, I forget what writer, what author or pastor said it, but he said, we need to be as vigorous in prayer as we are in sermon prep. And, and if you know, we, we talk about, you know, going after these things in our, in our devotional life as, as hard as, as, as mightily as we go after them in our, in our sermon prep. And, and um, I, I think he hit it right on the, on the head when, when Dr. Haken said, this starts with prayer. I mean, these revivals, are of the Lord and they are of the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, there's some mystery in that sovereignty while we're active in praying for it. So that's something that really stuck out for me and, and got me thinking from, from a pastoral standpoint. So do any of you guys currently have a prayer meeting that is regular rhythm? Um, if you don't, do you plan to institute something like that? So I guess, do you have it? What does it look like if you don't? What would it look like if you did it? So we do it, you know, 
normally, so outside of COVID schedule, we have a monthly prayer meeting on Sunday evenings. Um, we do have, I break it up into sections. We'll have a brief teaching on prayer. For example, I'll show how I'll go through the Lord's prayer and, and use that as a model for our personal prayer lives. I'll go through a Psalm and, and just pray through, teach through how we pray through a Psalm just to help our people pray in their own private lives. And then I'll also devote some time to the prayer list. Um, whether it's 10, 15 minutes, people can break up into groups. And then we come back to, to the larger gathering to pray for our community. So I guess you could plug in praying for revival there or, or awakening there in that, in that time frame. And then there's also, I like to do a, some um, creedal or confessional reading and walking through some of those statements. Uh, very short. I mean, I'm, I'm st still kind of introducing our congregation to to some of these things. But so, yeah, it's it's not just one thing. You know, I, I try to break it up and, and make it a little more palatable for our folks. But um, it's monthly and we kind of break it up into different segments uh, addressing different specifics. So, so for us, be uh, similar with Connor, this was what our pattern was before the COVID-19 stuff. But we, our Wednesday night meeting is our prayer meeting, uh, and that would be a weekly uh, event for us. And, you know, I've, I've had to, we've changed some things over time. Um, I mean, I, I got to a conviction personally, probably about a year ago that I thought that the way that we were doing our prayer meeting was just too habitual and too kind of just routine-ish and just, it's easy for that just to become about praying about a health need. And that's important. I don't want to downplay that. But our corporate prayer time needs to be more than just medical issues. So it required that what I started doing was thinking through each week different items that we should pray for. So, for example, one thing that I was doing um, before all this happened was actually each week taking one of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5 and us praying for that corporately that we would grow in love grow in joy and how that looks um praying for a different church and pastor in the area um praying for at, at times we would pray for a sense of revival that would happen uh, in our community and in, in our state and in our nation one thing that we also do is is i will start that time but i assign and i do give an opportunity for people to share any requests that they might have and then I assign people a different person in the congregation to to pray for this and pray for that. And one of the things that I've, I've tried to emphasize, because I'm just as guilty, is we, we and we all probably would, would be guilty, is we have a prayer pattern. Well, we kind of say the same thing the same way. And it's not, I don't think we do it intentionally. It's just, you know, what we do. And so just trying to be mindful, if I give you this specific request, you know, don't go off over here praying that kind of pattern deal. Pray for this request to so stay focused. So that means it may be a short prayer, but it's an intentional focused prayer. And I think that it really helped us doing that. Um, not trying to be controversial here on the podcast, but, you know, one of the things that we did was I, I would, you know, ask some of the sisters in the church to pray. Um, and, you know, and to 
and I'm getting some reactions from the faces here that I'm looking at. Hey, um, I'm pro this. But, I, I go for it. So but, I'm but sure we have a listener you know, who'll be mad. <laughs> well, I can't make everybody happy. Um and, and so in that way, you know, incorporating them and, and you know, um I personally I, I will say this. If you ever doubt whether it's important to gather for a mid for any kind of prayer meeting as a pastor. Um, it means a lot to me to listen to somebody in the congregation earnestly pray for me, to lift me up and, and just in my own walk and in, in sermon prep, because that's what we're praying for too. We pray for the Lord's day, for the means of grace, for us to be strengthened and nourished. Um, and that sometimes it, maybe it's been a hard week and, you know, I don't always feel like being there on a Wednesday night. You know, I don't. Um, but being there and hearing somebody in the flock earnestly beseech the Lord on my behalf, that in itself uh, it means a lot. But and I just add this. I think that we have we've lost something uh, as Baptists, evangelicals, etc. We've lost something by really not investing much in a corporate prayer gathering in, in our body. And, um, you know, we you know, look at Acts six. They said, we're giving ourselves to the word and prayer. And we all as pastors and preachers believe we need to spend real time in sermon prep and doing that. But the word, not just for us personally, but, but prayer, not just for us personally, but also the congregation. We need to do what we can to shepherd our flocks and seeing why it's important too. So, yeah, we right now um, we have a midweek meeting on Wednesdays. And um, part of that time is, is for prayer, but um, it's also a Bible study. So we don't right now have one meeting that is solely committed to um corporate prayer uh but that will hopefully be changing in july i don't know if uh so should we go ahead and, and talk about this or or we want to jordan did you have another question no go ahead all right so so after haken's episode uh i really got to thinking about uh the prayer call 1784 and what it would look like for um, some of our churches today to try to do a similar thing um, that those churches did, you know, back then and and actually setting aside a, a regular time for our churches to pray together, um, a focused time of prayer for a very specific thing and this specific thing being awakening revival. So <clears throat> um, I had a short meeting with Jake and Connor about how maybe our three churches could um try to start this and who knows maybe you know a year from now it's still our three churches or maybe other churches have joined i don't know what exactly it'll look like but right now um the plan is to start um i think we're looking at the last sunday night in july we haven't nailed that down as a a certain uh start date but i think we're going to look at at that and, and it's just something encouraging to me to know that there are other local congregations um, you know, in Michigan and in Mississippi and in North Carolina, you know, we're all there praying, you know, with one voice to the Lord, um, praying for the, for the same thing. Um, so that's encouraging to my own soul. So I'm looking forward to that and hoping that maybe some other churches will, uh, come alongside us and be praying for the same thing. So, so that's, that's, that's good stuff. And I want, I want to remind our listeners, I know we've been talking a lot about prayer, um, and if you affirm the second London, you're going to affirm a very strong version of providence, um, that God controls meticulously all things. So that may make you wonder, okay, then 
does my prayer really do anything? And, and I want to plug, we did an episode really early on uh, with Chris Wozniki about uh, prayer and that particular objection of what do we do with our prayer if God is sovereign in all these ways? So I encourage you to check that out. I'll link that in the show notes so you can find it. Um, but you guys, are there any other comments that you wanted to, to bring to the table here? I've got one more thing I might might say, but otherwise we can close up shop if you don't have anything else. I, I just would add that back to the episode with Dr. Haken where he talks about revival and then this prayer call that when we think about revival, and I think he touched on this in the episode, you know, you, you read some of the accounts from Edwards and Whitfield about the Great Awakening. You don't read those kinds of reports about the Baptists in the 1780s and 1790s, but it was a real revival that took place in their midst of more churches being planted, uh, Cary and the others going to India. And I think that it needs to encourage us that these are ordinary means that we're praying that God uses in an extraordinary way. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be some kind of, you know, shock and awe event that happens. Mm -hmm. It is still the steady plotting of the people of God. And, and I think one of the things to remember is, and we kind of touched on this in the, the meeting we had, is if we're not careful, one thing we have to guard against is we can do this prayer for revival. And, you know, first two months, well, this is kind of new and exciting. You know, we, we haven't done this like this before. And if we don't see tangible results immediately, then we say, well, we tried that and, you know, we just, you know, forget it. That we have to keep plotting and keep beseeching the Lord. And um, sometimes it's fast and sometimes it's slow. But I think this goes to the root, not only of what we believe about revival and the means of grace, but what we believe is Baptist, that we're, we're not little islands, you know, scattered across the ocean all to ourselves, but we actually are connected together in the communion of the saints as fellow churches. And we don't just pray for our own, you know, we're not just praying for Baptist churches to be revived. You know, the prayer call showed it was across denominations. Um, so it's very ecumenical in that sense. But this gets back to us seeing the, the cooperative aspect of Baptist life uh, that, is, that is too much forgotten and is desperately needed. Uh, and I think knowing that we're praying together as churches for a specific request and, and really at a specific time it is a way of fostering uh, the communion that we do enjoy with each other. Yeah, that's good. I, I love the idea of ecumenism. If I can't even say that word, Baptist Catholicity, we'll go with that because <laughs> that's the cool hot, hot term. Uh, you know, being uh, we're Baptists, we're not Catholics. We'll make that clear. So. <laughs> lowercase Catholic, Catholic with a lowercase c. Some some landmark tendencies are hard to die at times. <laughs> I know that uh, when we say the creed, when we say the creed at church and holy one holy Catholic church, I know that it can still cause some people, you know, and primarily I'm speaking about my dad, and we've already had that conversation he and I, but <laughs> it can still make us a little uncomfortable saying that. So yeah, understood. Well, I, I also want to mention I I think it's crucial for us when we think about revival and we're thinking about praying for it and laboring for it to make sure we understand the true nature of conversion. Uh, so I think obviously second London does a really good job of explaining what that looks like. Um, and then to echo Jake's point, the continued use of the ordinary means of grace. Um, I, th I think it's Neil Stewart has a church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And like their tagline at their church is like ordinary means, extraordinary grace. 
And I like the way that that's put. So I think revival is, you know, this extraordinary outpouring of grace, but still through the ordinary means. That doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to have like people falling over all over the place. I, I, I personally still feel really cautious and awkward about that uh, aspect of revivalism. I think that's revivalism more than a revival. Um, Cause when I, when I read, you know, Finney stuff, Charles Finney, I had to read a bunch of his stuff in my church history two class with Sean Wright. And I remember thinking, man, this is, this is wild. And it, it, it applies directly to a lot of churches today, you know, mega churches or small churches or rural churches, everybody, you know, it doesn't matter how big you are. You're not immune from this type of thinking. Uh, it, it can infect you in thinking that we control conversion. If we just do the right thing, if we just do an egg drop, if we just, you know, have, sing just as I am one more time, uh, we're going to get the conversions that we want, but that's not how that works. Conversion only comes from the hand of the Lord. So remember to have a good grasp on that, I think is crucial, especially for our pastors and our members um, who, when they hear about revival and they start getting excited about it, I think a lot of members don't have all the necessary doctrinal pieces together to really think biblically about it and labor after it biblically. So I think it's important for our pastors to explain fully what revival looks like so that our members can join in, in that prayer, join in that desire, join in that uh, earnest longing. Um, but that that's my piece. I'm the only one here who's not a pastor. So, you know, <laughs> can you I just jump in on yeah, go ahead, Connor. Jake was saying, yeah, uh, kind of in, in the same vein of that uh, ecumenical Catholicity, just unity among different churches, even different uh, denominations. You know, and maybe this is a product of of our church going through Ephesians. But I mean, so much is about our union with Christ, and in chapter four, it's really about our unity, not just as one local congregation, but the entire body of Christ. Of course, we are manifested in local congregations that are committed to one another. But um, it, you know, it's it's one thing to to pray for revival. You know, it's one thing to pray for that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and I don't mean that in a spooky way that, that a lot of people might take that. Um, but the more I read Ephesians, the more I, I think, okay, the world will now be looking at the church with more eyes than it was before COVID. I just believe that. Um, we better be asking while we're asking for the Holy Spirit to revive, while we're asking the Holy Spirit to sanctify us, we better be asking for the Holy Spirit to unify us. Mm. Because if 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 we're if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, well one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is unify the church. Uh, so it, it's some of the onus, yeah, it, all, all we we have a providential God, of course, but some of the onus is for us to to take responsibility to to fight for that unity. You know, a lot of times uh, we we talk about building this unity or, or cultivating this unity when we forget that Christ won that for us, right? We we've already been given this if we're a member of the body of Christ. It's now it's on us to maintain that, and that's hard work. Um, so while we're thinking about this, yeah, let's pray for revival. Yeah, let's pray that more people would come, more people would come. Now more than ever, it feels like the church has a lot of opinions. Now more than ever, we're thinking, oh, who's who's SJW? Who's woke? Who's, who's you know, fill in the blank. And, and I don't want to get too controversial, or maybe we do to get the, the views and, and, and the downloads up. But, but you, you know what I'm saying? We've got, we've got this big idea of, yes, we want revivalism, but I don't know 
if that will come if we're not unified. Yeah. I mean, I think unity would be a fruit of that. And clearly we are not unified in any sense of the word right now. It seems everybody wants to retreat into their own bunker and their own tribe and be anti everything that's not them. Yeah, I would even I would even say one more thing. Sorry, sorry, Jake, one more thing. No. Um, coming out of this, when churches are starting to gather again, um, I hope we don't see people kind of retreat and retreat into this. Well, it's just me and my Bible. You know, I, we don't we don't need to be unified physically. We don't need to be uh, united in person with the body of Christ. And, and I hope just the natural angst of being all cooped up would, would fight against that anyway. But I think one of the things we can be praying for is that, that people would feel that need for kind of that incarnational relationship with people. And cause I mean, I think we can all agree, just look at Twitter. We're not going to solve the problems there. <laughs> We're not going to solve the issues of unity in the church. We're not going to solve the issues of a lack of spiritual revival in the church by um, carrying on on Twitter. I just, I just don't think that's how we're going to do it. I think we're going to do it sitting across table from each other and hashing these things out. And, and again, just praying for these things, praying for unity, praying for revival. Well, you know, I don't want to uh, over overstate it, but yeah, that's good. There it is. Jake, did you have one more thing before we wrap up? I, I just was going to say that. I think that it w- we would all do well to spend a lot of time reading and meditating and pondering through John 17. And, you know, I'm not advocating for some pie in the sky, minimalism, uh, Catholicity, but I-, I do think if we would just speak to our own world being primarily a, a Baptist context, we would all do well to remember the, the preface to the confession where they make explicit about their desire being to show that they stood in solidarity within the Protestant world on so many issues. And even, I'm not saying Baptists are perfect because they're not, but I will say that for all the persecution that they endured in England and in the colonies, it never diminished for a lot of them their desire to want to have real friendships and partnerships with Anglicans and Presbyterians and independents. And I think a lot of Baptists today can go too much into the bunker mentality and, and, and very much be a fundamentalist mindset. And it is things like creeds and confessions that show our common heritage that we don't agree on everything, and that's fine. There is a reason we're Baptists. There's a reason we have Baptist churches. But there is a lot that we do agree on. and, and As I said, the world is watching us, and they do need to see, they should see, and they need to see that there is something different and unique about us that's not found in the world, because the world's definition of unity is my way or the highway. That's all, even more so now. And they they need to see something different from us. And that means loving one another, not trying to own each other in some kind of argument or debate. 
Yeah, that's that's. I mean, this, I think this episode turned out way better than I expected. So I'm pleased. <laughs> you, know, you brought in. You mean you didn't have you high, high 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 Yes, that's how that's how it happened. Oh, you know, I'm being moved. Well, see that he didn't have. It. He doesn't have high hopes because that's like that's why he wasn't in our meeting about praying for revival. He doesn't expect revival <laughs> to come, so that's why he didn't come. See, so, he didn't come because he, he wasn't invited. Ob- he's, uh, he's, obvi- he's obviously a negative amillennialist, not a positive one. <laughs> So. And, and I before before we you know cut this thing off, and I know I, I can hear the music now. Jordan's about to to turn this thing on. Probably. I just want to say on you know I, I think I speak for Jake as well when I say you know the the two of us who sit on the board of London Lyceum, Jake <laughs> and I, we we really do think you guys are doing a great job, and you know we're giving you the keys to this thing. You know this is why we put you in the driver's seat. We're just going to sit back and let you guys roll with it, but. All in all, you're doing a great job, and um, keep it up. Well, thanks for the the in episode uh, shout out. <laughs> Have you left a five star review yet on <laughs> on the podcast? On, hey, on your hey, I, I did. I did today. I realized I'd never done that before. I did today. See, Connor, what about you? <laughs> you know, mm. putting them in the hot seat. No, that's that's a no. Okay, <laughs> well, you know what you're doing this afternoon. Uh, All right, guys, we're, we're becoming too much like doctrine and devotion, I think, at this point. So, <laughs> wow, Talk you know, we're too wow. chummy. No, it's okay. I've never even heard of that podcast. Well, who does that one? Uh, and to be honest, I like the chumminess of it. I enjoy listening to that. But I think Brandon's like, I could skip the first 10 minutes and be happy. I do, but I still listen. That's okay. All right. Anyway, so listeners, if you enjoyed this, if you like this, if you think this is helpful, useful, if there's other ways to make this helpful or useful, or, or you want to say, please talk about this episode in the past, uh, you know how to let us know. We ask you to do that. And we thank you for tuning in to the only analytic Baptist confessional podcast on the planet. And despite what Jake may say, you should definitely drink black coffee. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.